Russian sleeper agents, the CIA, family drama, identity, and duty in turmoil. You'd be forgiven for thinking I was talking about another show entirely. This week on One Season Wonders, we examine a TV show that fell victim to being overshadowed by its critically adored cable counterpart. We'll be chatting with an editor who worked on the action-packed show a little later, but first, we're taking you into the world of pulpy network TV espionage. This is Allegiance. You turn your son into a spy. An SVR officer said he was close to launching an operation that would bring America to its limits. They call it a black dagger. He sees setting up a joint task force to stop it. The best plan we have to stop it is to find the SVR files Miguel stole. The moment we have enough information to prove that black dagger is real, we go straight to the FBI. We work together as a family. We're not supposed to look for to spot someone who might be working for the other side. So it's the boy genius you took on the way. Special agent favor. Have you ever spied on your country, Alec? No. So what's your secret, Alex? Hi, my name's Shane Anderson, and this is One Season Wonders, a show about the TV we left behind, taken off the air after only a single season, sometimes less. Hundreds of creatives poured their hearts and souls into these shows, only to have them cut down before they could find an audience. Now, this is not a best-of list. There'll be no rankings or ratings. My only hope is to bring to light some underseen gems, to try and speak with some of the people who were there when they were made and... Just maybe, in our own little way, we can uncancel these little slices of wonder. So why don't we stretch out on the couch and watch some TV? In 2012, NBC bought the adaptation rights to the Israeli TV drama The Gordine Cell, along with Universal Television and Cachette Media Group, the latter of which was behind the original television series. Set up with Friday Night Lights executive and creator Peter Berg and Sarah Aubrey's Film 44, it was originally titled MICE. Yes, MICE. MICE is an acronym that stands for Money, Ideology, Coercion and Ego. It is, in fact, the acronym used to understand the motives of a spy in betraying their country, the central plot of the series. Aubrey and Berg were, quote, obsessed with Homeland an American espionage show also based on an Israeli format, and they wanted to throw their hats into the ring on something similar. The show was originally ordered as a put pilot, which is an industry term for a pilot episode that a network agrees to air without an official guarantee that the show will get picked up, and Peter Berg was set as the writer and director. But it was not to be so. This version of the pilot was scrapped sometime between 2012 and 2014. NBC, however, was still keen on the property and set a new version into motion, this time with George Nolfi at the helm, the screenwriter behind the films Timeline, Ocean's 12, The Bourne Ultimatum, and the writer-director of the film The Adjustment Bureau. NBC ordered the series to pilot under the new title Coercion on January 10th, 2014. Coercion, soon to be retitled Allegiance, tells the story of Alex O'Connor, a rookie CIA analyst who gets roped into a joint CIA and FBI investigation into the SVR, the modern incarnation of the Russian KGB. With rumours of a terrorist plot to attack critical American infrastructure, it's a race against time to discover the purpose and people behind a project known only as Black Dagger. But all is not as straightforward as it seems. 
Alex family, his mother and father in particular, are old SVR agents, and the double crossings, double agents, and, if you will, allegiances twist and turn over the course of 13 episodes, delivering pulpy espionage action week after week. Alex begins the show as an earnest and intelligent young man, but often abrasively incapable of dealing with social interactions. He possesses an eidetic memory and is a font of exhaustive details, facts, and information. These things make him a great tool for the CIA and a tricky target for the SVR. His mother and father, Katya and Mark, are devoted to their family and willing to do anything, yes, anything, to protect them. Alex is closest with his sister, Natalie, the eldest child who is, herself, struggling to deal with the double life she has had to lead. Over in the office, the FBI and CIA team consist of the usual characters, gruff superiors, computer grunts, and uniformed grunts. But Alex's closest colleagues are Sam Luttrell, station chief of the CIA in New York, and FBI special agent Michelle Prado, assigned as Alex's partner. She's no nonsense, a good heart, and a definite distraction for the young lead. The show runs a mostly serialised plot adding the pieces of the mystery together episode by episode, tracking the lies and plots and investigations alike. It also manages a deft balance of wrapping up single adventures in each episode on their own, whilst juggling the season arc across them all. Chase scenes, heists, and even a trip to Rome are all on the books as the show dances around and through the familiar story beats of international spy stories. Now, by this time in television, it was starting to become the common practice to cast what is known as a name actor to help bring an audience to a show. This is an actor that has had some prior fame or success in another role or celebrity of some kind. So it was very much a move against the grain when, in February 14 of 2014, Gavin Stenhouse, an almost complete unknown, was cast in the lead role of Alex O'Connor. Stenhouse, who was 28 at the time, was born in Hong Kong and later moved to England. And while he had small roles here and there, a day player on Person of Interest and American Horror Story, for example, Gavin Stenhouse's only main role in broadcast had been a British children's program called The Iconicals. Cast in the roles of Alex's parents were Hope Davis, the legendary and Tony-nominated actress, as Katia, the mother, and Scott Cohen as Mark, the father. Russian-American actress Margarita Levieva, who folks might know from her recurring role on Revenge, was cast as Natalie, the oldest sister. Rounding out the casting was Sons of Anarchy regular Kenneth Choi as Sam, the CIA station chief, Floriana Lima as Michelle Prado of the FBI, and Giancarlo Esposito also has a multi-episode run in the second half of the season as an entertainingly dastardly villain. The pilot was filmed and put into the machine that is Network TV, where finished pilots are assessed and then culled one by one until a television season is put together and the successful pilots are ordered to series. On Tuesday, May 6th, 2014, NBC gave a series order to Coercion, now with the new title of Allegiance, and the show was off shooting set for the 2014-2015 season. Now, there's not a whole lot to report on the production side of this show, but I thought we'd take a moment before getting to the broadcast history to address the elephant in the room. In 2013, FX, the US cable network, released a show that would go on to claim a metric tonne of critical praise, if not the best ratings, and eventually winning a Golden Globe and multiple Emmy awards. 
This is, of course, The Americans, starring Kerry Russell and Matthew Rhys. While these two shows would appear to have a lot in common, the comparisons truly stop once you move past the very surface level plot point of Russian sleeper agents posing as Americans. These comparisons, however, dogged the showrunners and actors of Allegiance all through the airing of the show, and doubtless became a source of frustration for those involved. Speaking at a Television Critics Association panel just before the show was set to air, George Nolfi said, quote, Watch one or two episodes, and I think it's pretty clear that we're going in a very different direction, he offered. Continuing on that, This is fundamentally a family drama about people who do not want to be spies, and they're forced into this situation. Gavin Stenhouse noted that a lot of shows often share plot comparisons on the surface, citing shows like True Detective, The Missing and The Killing. He said, quote, They're based on similar things, but they're completely different emotional journeys. I really feel like once you've seen an episode or two, that's where the comparisons end. While I can't speak for others' opinions, the tone of both shows are, for me, worlds apart. Where The Americans is a dense political and family drama, Allegiance has a more pulpy spy action vibe, still dealing, as most shows do, with family dramas, but it has a sense of adventure and play that offers something wholly apart from its more critically successful counterpart. Allegiance premiered on Thursday, February 5th, 2015, following the NBC hit show The Blacklist, which had been moved to Thursdays to compete with the Shonda Rhimes hit Scandal. As is the reality with a lot of the shows we'll be looking at on this podcast, Allegiance premiered to dismal ratings compared to other offerings, and it was especially small considering it had the lead-in from the aforementioned Blacklist. While that show was pulling around 8 million US viewers, Allegiance had a little over half that at 4.98 million viewers for the pilot. I think it's important to note here that even in the less than a decade between these events and this podcast, Having 4.98 million viewers today would make you a titanic hit. For example, the show Abbott Elementary, a bona fide hit for ABC in 2022, rarely came close to the ratings of Allegiance. And the final season of This Is Us tracks close to those same ratings. Euphoria, a show that dominates the cultural conversation, never peaks above 1 million viewers total, ever. Contemporary audiences are fractured in a way where the old rating systems that worked less than a decade ago often don't work well as a measurement of a show's success or impact on the zeitgeist today, and so it's important to put these ratings into context. The ratings dropped steadily after the pilot, and even quicker than many other shows that lasted one season, Allegiance had gotten just five episodes into its run when, on March 6th, 2015, NBC cancelled the fledgling show. Allegiance was pulled from the schedule effective immediately with eight episodes left to air. In a move not all cancelled shows get to enjoy, NBC did allow the show to finish its run online, airing the remaining episodes on Hulu and on the NBC website directly. On April 30th, 2015, Allegiance's final episode, episode 13 no less, was aired, and the network's spy drama was officially over. Before the final wrap-up, I'm pleased to say we have an interview with Philip Fowler, an editor for Allegiance and all-round nice guy with a resume to envy. 
He's credited for editing four episodes of Allegiance, including my favourite episode of the series, which we will go into. So without further ado, here's some of the story from someone who helped make it happen. So I'm very pleased and grateful to be speaking with uh, Phil Fowler, an editor who has a resume to envy. He's worked on Castle, The Killing, some Shondaland shows like Grey's Anatomy and The Catch, uh, Lock and Key on Netflix, and many, many more. So thank you so much, Phil, for joining me to talk about Allegiance. Yeah, thank you for having me. You make my resume sound good. <laughs> it is good. It is good. <laughs> so to I guess to start at the start, how did you come to work on Allegiance? Because it was, it was quite early on in your sort of career, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was my second editing credit. I had been an assistant editor on Grey's Anatomy, and that's where I kind of got my start. And then I was ready to edit, and so I left Grey's Anatomy to hopefully find an opportunity. And that's where I ended up on The Killing, uh, which was one of my favorite shows at the time. So I just felt like I was I don't know I was pinching myself the whole time, but I was got to work on The Killing, and and that ended up being where I got my my start as editor they gave me an opportunity to cut an episode of the killing and it went really well but uh as new editors everyone says it's easy to get the first credit and the first opportunity but the hardest part is getting the second credit and so i had the one episode of the killing under my belt and i just as they say struggled to find that second credit because people would see the resume and they're like, oh, you cut one episode. Okay, well, maybe someone gave you did a favor for you and gave you an opportunity. Right, right. Can you really do a full season? Can you can you really do this? So Allegiance was it kind of came about perfectly for me because uh George Nolfi, the creator of the show, he had worked with this editor, Joel. And he wanted Joel to be his lead editor on Allegiance and basically oversee all the editors. And Joel came from a independent film background. And so he, in independent film, it's a much lower budget. And so he had been cutting on Final Cut Pro his whole career. And the standard in uh, big budget productions, TV and film is to use Avid Media Composer for editing. But Joel didn't cut on Avid, so he wanted Allegiance to be a Final Cut show. And at this time, Final Cut was already starting to be faded out, and they weren't updating it. It was like the 2007 version of Final Cut Pro. Right, right. And so they went to big editors, big names. No one would agree to cut on Final Cut Pro. And so they went through so many editors with so much experience, and everyone wanted to do the show, but they didn't want to like go through the the irritations of working on Final Cut Pro. <laughs> and so somehow my name got to them. And I remember getting a call from a producer and she was like, what do we have to do to get you to cut our show? We'll do anything to get you to cut our show. We want you so bad. And I was like, I've only cut one episode. It's pretty incredible to, to hear that from a producer. And she was like, can you cut Final Cut Pro? And I was like, in my mind, I hadn't done it since college, uh, like six <laughs> or seven years before this. And I, but I, but I, I figured I could pick it up and figure it out again. And so I told her, I told her I was definitely a, a Final Cut Pro editor. 
<laughs> and really, that good old resume trick of, yeah. of of saying yes i can do it and then between the job start and that you just watch a bunch of youtube tutorials <laughs> totally i went to the editors guild and they have a training facility and i like did some practice cutting on scenes in final cut to like refresh my brain uh yeah it was one of those situations where i cut and i didn't even have to interview for this job usually you have to interview for a show and by the creator and on this show all they wanted was that you could cut final cut <laughs> oh cool and that was because was the killing episode you cut when it had moved to netflix yeah so i had been an assistant editor on season three of the killing which was at amc it was still on amc at the time and then it got canceled and the killing was one of the first shows that netflix saved it had been canceled by amc and netflix picked it up for a fourth and final season yeah and that's where in the fourth season i got my my opportunity to cut right right so allegiance was the first thing you'd cut that like as as editor editor or that went to like a national broadcast kind of thing yeah yeah that's gonna be cool you can tell you can tell all the family and friends oh tune in at this time and and it's there and there's your name pops up that's pretty cool well it is in theory except that but the show got canceled before my episode aired. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Oh, yeah. I think my shame. first episode was the fourth. It was like the fourth or fifth episode and they canceled it after the first three. It's funny because you look at the ratings for it now and you're like, if a show had these ratings, it would be the monster hit of the century. Like yes. it, it would be the talk of the town. It would be everyone let's renew this for 12 seasons. <laughs> but at the time it was, it wasn't doing so well. Um, Cause they, it followed the blacklist, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, compared to the blacklist at the time we were, we were no, no ratings. We were nothing. Yeah. 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 So um, I'm fascinated. This is, as much for me as it is for uh, listeners, but like uh, you're talking about like having multiple editors and all that sort of thing. We hear a lot about how editing on features works, but we sort of don't hear a lot about TV editing. Could you explain a little bit about how that process works, especially when there's like multiple editors across different episodes, things are shooting while you're cutting and things are being written while, you know, that sort of process? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah in television, typically on the show, you have three editors and the editors are each responsible for their own episode and so they'll cut all the footage for that episode and basically the editors are rotating every three episodes so i cut episode one i'll then next cut episode four and then seven and so forth and it's because an episode takes a really long time to edit uh as many days as they're shooting that's how long it takes us to cut the episode just to get it into an assembly and so for a 10 day shoot, it takes us 10 days to cut. And then from that point, we have a few days to do an editor's cut where we add sound effects and we add temp music to the cut to kind of give it life and kind of flesh it out and present what it could look like and sound like uh, for people to weigh in. And then uh, we work with the director for typically four days. And then we usually work with the producers or the showrunner for it, it, that, that, that can vary the length of that. And then from that point on, you, you send it to the studio and get their feedback and then you do their notes. Sometimes you don't do their notes and you, <laughs> you send it to the network and then get their notes and same thing. Sometimes do their notes. Wow. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. And does it, 
so Allegiance was quite an action heavy show, you know, and like in the first couple episodes, there's like a car chase and a foot chase and all that kind of thing. Versus say you've done some legal shows like Doubt or For the People or crime shows like Castle. Does it, it does it differ when you're doing a, a, such an action centric show? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cutting action definitely is a different muscle than cutting more dialogue heavy material and allegiance was very ambitious i think in terms of the action in the first few episodes there's like several big action set pieces and george nolfi specifically had a certain type of way he liked action to flow and he liked it to be very active and like a lot of jumping through time almost uh not so linear you see someone enter a room and then you see them enter another room and our brain can kind of fill in the the dots of how they got from here to there uh right but he kind of had a short attention span in terms of action and so he wanted it to just move 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 and and i would say on allegiance they they shot the action really purposefully the the footage it wasn't a lot of cameras shooting at the same time. It was kind of more choreographed, I would say, in terms of how the actors moved through the shots. And um, and so that made it easier to cut in a way, but also right. with editors love uh, options. And so, because <laughs> uh, if something doesn't work, uh, then we want to have alternative footage to incorporate to like, kind of solve those issues right right yeah oh that's fascinating because i would have thought with an action tv show sort of they would hose it down with a bit of cover it like a lot of coverage and that sort of thing on a lot of shows they do and and that's fine because you can always cut you can you have so many options to cut to and so you can kind of if something's not feeling dynamic visually in terms of like a fight sequence or a chase uh, or a car crash you have lots of angles that you can kind of force the excitement and make it feel exciting and and for sure there were moments in allegiance where they they hosed it down um it was in either the second or the last or the last episode there's a car that blows up um in a snowy field and they only got one shot to blow that car up and so i remember there was like 20 cameras on that that car <laughs> and and right the right. way i cut it it was like explosion new angle explosion new angle explosion new like you kind of repeated the explosion that square just... editing kind of thing yeah yeah that to... very um it's <laughs> that family guy gag where stewie <laughs> and brian jump out of the house and they cut yes. 500 times the same moment. yes exactly <laughs> that's cool so i know it was like a little while ago but um could you talk about a little bit about the experience editing um episode seven i think it is a stranger in a strange land because it's like a highlight for me for the show because it's the one that's set in rome and everything like that yeah Episode seven was the second episode I cut that season and it took place in Rome. It was directed by a really good director, Jamie Barber, who had come up through uh, the camera department. So he, I felt like had a really strong visual sensibility and yeah, I was very excited to cut that episode. Uh, and I, I don't think I originally was scheduled to cut it, but I had kind of pushed and like, uh, begged to cut that episode because I just <laughs> thought it would be so fun to cut footage from Rome and so they so they actually went to Rome and and shot with the cast and everything there yeah they did yeah they did and um which I think is why it's one of the best episodes of the season because you really feel like you're in Rome because you are and they were and 
and that was one thing that George Nolte was really, um, I remember him being adamant about was shooting really practically location wise. Like in the first couple episodes, they go to Philadelphia and they go through all these. Yeah. And he, I remember it being a logistical nightmare for production to have to move from New York to Philadelphia to shoot that stuff. But he, he really wanted it to be authentic to the places he was, uh, scripting. And so, so they did it. And the same thing with Rome, they wanted to actually go to Rome for the production value. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It, it really shows. And you talk about the visuals of that episode, cause that's the one, um, Alex, the, the lead character gets, he gets drug or he drugs himself yeah. to sort of escape. And, the, and it, there's a lot of stylistic choices in that, that I just, I really dug. Cause you don't sort of see that in network TV shows a lot. It's generally a, a little bit more um, grounded, but you, you, so it was really fun to see. Um, do you have any other fond sort of memories or interesting anecdotes from your time on the show or perhaps like a favorite episode you worked on? Yeah. Yeah. The real one is good. And um, I mean, you wouldn't know it in the final version, but I, I do remember with him, with Alex uh, getting drugged and the way that the footage was uh, shot, it was like really impressionistic and going in and out of focus as he's, um, hallucinating and kind of like losing his senses. And so I leaned really heavily in the temp score using a lot of, um, from the film under the skin. Right. Nice. And, and so the composer eventually of course wrote his own score that, but I feel like you still get a little bit of that kind of creepy score that I attempt in there. Um, and then in terms of like anecdotes on allegiance, so allegiance was important to me because it was my first full season editing on a show. But at the same time, my my wife at the time went into um, an emergency labor and she, she had my twin girls uh, three months early and they, they were born prematurely, a pound and a half each. And it was right in the middle wow. of uh, Allegiance when I was working on that. And I'm so grateful to the production and the crew because they really accommodated me to let me still continue working because she was hospitalized for a few weeks um, on bed rest right. at Cedar sinai And I guess I was a little ahead of the times because I brought my uh, system to the hospital. And so I was editing off of external hard drives in the hospital room with her and, uh, and I was cutting that Rome episode specifically while I was in the hospital. And then the the babies were born and I, we spent a lot of time in the NICU as they were cared for uh, and I continued to cut Allegiance. And it was a really difficult time, but it also is, I don't know, Allegiance kind of in a way like saved me during that time because it gave me a way to kind of channel all this fear and uh, anxiety I was experiencing with their birth and I was able to kind of have a little imaginary world I could run away to for a lot of hours during the day. And so these, these actors and these characters like brought a lot of comfort to me. Oh, wow. That's a wonderful story. Oh my God. That's a, that's a very emotional <laughs> story. That's really cool. Um, when, when a show you worked on kind of gets cut down so suddenly, What's that like for yourself? I mean, I know job security is, you know, a big issue and all that kind of thing. But with that aside, are there any sort of creative frustrations that come along with that? Uh, I would say the, 
Yeah, on on Allegiance specifically, we we were still working on it when it did get canceled and taken off of NBC. And I think it definitely is a everyone loses a little bit of uh, theme. The morale definitely goes down when that happens. You still have to finish the episodes, right? Uh, but there is something kind of it feels a little bit futile because you know no one's gonna watch it except for a guy in australia Shane. <laughs> <laughs> so i remember that being definitely a big disappointment and and we also had a sense of humor humor about it my assistant rita at the time we would joke that we were the most expensive web series because they canceled it on <laughs> they canceled allegiance on nbc but they still continued to air it every week on nbc.com and so we we're like right the, the most expensive web series NBC has ever had. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you also, I mean, it's it's pretty relevant right now in Hollywood because I'm a, I'm sure as you know, there's a lot of streamers and a lot of uh, networks that are canceling shows that they already greenlit uh, or removing those episodes from their streaming platforms. Yeah, uh, yeah. HBO yeah. Max has done done it quite a bit. Uh, and I, just a couple of weeks ago, I was having drinks with the editor I know, and she was working on an AMC show and they were shooting episode seven out of 10 and AMC decided to just pull the plug on it. And so wow. they had, they had two weeks to wrap it all up, but they didn't even get to finish shooting their season and no one will ever see that show. I, unless I suppose it could get picked up by another network, but yeah it's kind of an uncertain time in our industry right now it's it's one thing for a show to sort of air and then get cancelled because the ratings about it It seems like a whole different sort of stress to think you could be working on this show no one get like no one's even watched it yet and they just decide to axe it completely out of the blue and you know it because of it's written off it it's not allowed to be released anywhere it's literally buried forever they had a i can't believe there was a batman movie i got buried like that if batman's not safe what in the hell is anyone else gonna do i mean obviously that sort of bums you out a little bit do you do you find sort of motivation to move on to the next thing or is it uh more of like a hustle thing it's like you've got to hustle so you kind of don't have time to sit and, and be sad about stuff yeah in the case of allegiance i i think allegiance was shaded by my own personal situation and so I, I don't think I felt that as as much as uh, I probably would have if I wasn't going through the situation with my daughters. But that was the only show I believe that got canceled while we were still working on it. Right. But I've been on other shows where we were all, the crew and the creators, we were all super passionate about the show and it did not get picked up. One of those shows was The Catch, which was on ABC. Right. And it ran for two seasons, but the second season specifically was just, I think, a breath of fresh air. It was like a super fun caper, and it really found its voice in the second season. And we were all gung-ho to do a season three, and that one crushed me when it didn't get picked up. Do you get to meet like friends and stuff from those shows, though, and people you take with you after you leave? Yeah, that's, that's a nice thing about the industry is almost irregardless of the success of the show or project you you make friends on each show and each show 
the hours are so intense on a project that you become really close with the family of people that you've been put together with. And, and so, yeah, it's, you stay in touch with people for sure. And, and you also get to work with people again and again, uh, in various ways on other projects and, and also everyone knows everyone. So no matter where you are, you're like, <laughs> someone says they worked on this and you're like, oh, I know so-and-so who worked on that. And so there's definitely like a lot of bonding. I mean, people who like my boyfriend is not in the industry and sometimes at like a industry type of events or parties with a lot of us in there, it can be, we can be irritating because all we want to talk about is like who worked with who <laughs> on what and what was it like on that show and you know editing talk is not the most uh lively talk out there <laughs> right 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 uh but at least i guess allegiance sort of you got ahead of that but it was that elusive second credit for you you finally had like a a full show then which i guess that then makes you you know people look at the resume like oh a whole show like even if it's cancelled i guess it still looks like yeah on the resume a really cool thing that books the next one and then the next one and yeah allegiance was perfect in that way because I, I got over that hump of getting the second credit and uh, I took time off to be with my family at the time and then eventually I got uh, hired on Castle to cut Castle and so oh nice I'm sure that Castle came about because I had multiple credits on my resume right right so thank you thank you so much for sharing that story that's really wonderful um I'll wrap it up with the final question that I sort of ask everyone. Since this podcast is about helping people find shows they might not have come across, do you have a favorite show of your own or, or like a favorite show in general, like just as a viewer or even something you've worked on? Because you have quite a few credits that have wound up on my radar, as you said. Um, do you have a favorite one season or less show you think more people should seek out? I think I would have, for the longest time, I would have said The Comeback was the show that everyone should check out. And, but, but I think enough people were saying the comeback is the show everyone should check out that they finally gave it a second season. Uh, it was wonderful. I only watched that for the first time last year and uh-huh. it, I blew me, that final episode of season two. Uh, I was like, this is like fleabag levels yes. of, of pu- pushing the form and the, and the way you're telling a story. It was so good. It's beautiful. And it's just the, it was so ahead of its time too with the, with like the, reality aspect and uh talking to the camera and kind of breaking the fourth wall uh yeah right that was definitely one i really loved i'm giving you two season shows the other one was pushing daisies that was ah yes uh, that's on my radar to watch (laughs) yeah that one i haven't seen it since it aired but that was another one where it was just so inventive and and sweet and uh yeah and of, of the shows that i've worked on I really am fond of Seven Seconds. Right, yeah. It's the it, it, it's on Netflix and it stars Regina King. Uh, she won an Emmy for the show. Yeah, yeah. And to me, she's, it's, she's fantastic. Yeah, she's fantastic. I've I've never been more moved by the dailies, the raw footage, than I was by her performance. Uh, there's a scene in my the second episode where she sees her son has passed away and the camera just held on her for two minutes literal two minutes where you watch the full emotion of like shock that she's seeing her son's dead to then like weeping 
to then rationalizing it. Like she goes through the full gamut of emotion. And I just remember watching that and being, I was, I was uh, a wet mess after that. It was, she's as good as they get. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm definitely going to, I haven't actually watched seven seconds yet. It's oh, on my, spoiler alert. on my list. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I assume that's the premise of the show. Isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much for uh, giving us your time to talk about uh, your experiences on Allegiance. This has been wonderful. This has been a total privilege. So thank you so much. And yeah. I got to learn something about how, how editing in TV works. That's too, Yeah. <laughs> that's thank cool. you, Shane. I really appreciate it. It's, it's been fun to talk to you and, I'm going to have to listen to the other episodes, see what I can learn. <laughs> I'm hoping to bank up like, um, uh, cause I'm, I, as we're recording this, I'm, I'm recording episode two, which is Allegiance and I want to bank four and then start releasing them and then nice. see how it goes. And I, and I figure like if, if, if no one listens to it and then it, I just don't make any more after one season, then it kind of is poetically fitting if it, if it also <laughs> only gets one season. <laughs> well, I feel like you now so. need it to only be in one season podcast. Right. I'll just, it'll just be like a 52 episode. Yeah, exactly. It's a, a thousand episode per season. <laughs> like those old school TV shows from the fifties that ran like <laughs> daily. Thank you so much again. And you have a wonderful, wonderful day. All right. Thank you, Shane. Because of low ratings and a relatively low profile, Allegiance very quickly disappeared off critical and public radars. While it aired here in Australia in June, months after its American cancellation, it all but vanished after that year. In the years since, Gavin Stenhouse had several day player roles and a supporting role in my favourite Black Mirror episode, San Junipero. He also had a short run on the show 911 and appeared in the Disney sequel Life Size 2. And he recently got a supporting role in the CW's successful reboot of the show Kung Fu. Hope Davis has since gone on to an Emmy nomination for a guest role on the critical smash hit Succession for HBO, though she has had a nomination before Allegiance in the miniseries category. Scott Cohen has continued to act across stage and screen, appearing in shows like The Good Wife, The Equalizer, and The Resident. And Margarita Levieva went on to, among other things, a starring role in the David Simon-created HBO show The Deuce. George Nolfi returned to the world of cinema with the critically praised film The Banker in 2020. And our guest today, Philip Fowler, has since edited for, among many other projects, Mayans MC, the reboot of Queer as Folk, Lock and Key on Netflix, and the 2023 prequel series to Greece, Rise of the Pink Ladies for Paramount+. Plus. There was no release for Allegiance on physical media. Unlike well-known one-season shows like Firefly or Freaks and Geeks, the sad story of a lot of these one-season wonders is that they gradually fade into obscurity, often amounting to some odd little blips on the resumes of actors who have gone on to bigger and more widely known projects. I'd like to use this podcast to look at more of those kind of shows, and less of the very well-known ones. Shows much like Allegiance. This isn't about some objective measure of quality, these are shows that I just personally had a lot of fun with, and I hope you can too. Allegiance was, for me, exactly the definition of a one-season wonder. A great little thrill ride full of twists and turns, along with some truly engaging and thoughtful performances and craftsmanship behind the camera. If you want to check out Allegiance, it's available on iTunes in Australia, but unfortunately, at the time of this recording, it's no longer available anywhere in the US. We here at One Season Wonders are big advocates for motion picture preservation, so we dearly hope that will change soon. It's important that art doesn't vanish. 
regardless of critical reception, it deserves to be accessible. The internet age was supposed to be a new era of bringing art to the people, no longer bound by ratings, time slots, and advertiser support, but as Phil mentioned in our interview, we're beginning to see that that's not the case in this modern landscape. So it's up to each of us to keep these stories somewhere, anywhere in the public consciousness. Too many people worked too hard for these things to just be erased from existence, and I truly, truly feel that that's something worth fighting for. Thank you all for listening to One Season Wonders. We'll be back next time with a brand new, or rather old, show that deserves its dues. This podcast has been written, produced, edited, and narrated by Shane Anderson, that's me, and produced by Zane C. Weber of That's Not Canon Productions. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Season Pod, and you can follow me on Twitter at Shane M underscore Anderson. So that's that. Until the next episode, goodbye. Goodbye.